My understanding is that uh, the top officials of the Pentagon, when asked explicitly if uh, they were ruling out any kind of extraterrestrial presence, said they weren't ruling anything out. And yet at the beginning of today's briefing, uh, Ms. Jean-Pierre seemed to rule out any extraterrestrial activity. I don't think the American people need to worry about aliens. Well, I wasn't worried about aliens until you said, don't worry about aliens. Now I'm kind of worried. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am... From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News. Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites... Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com, now celebrating our 20th year of troublemaking and muckraking. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. You know, I was under a mistaken assumption, Desi Doyen, that when the Trump era ended, there would be a lot less... News coming over the transom each weekend. <laughs> oh, silly you. I, well, I think where I went wrong, I may have gone awry here, is that uh, the Trump era has not really ended at this point. Oh, well, that would explain it. That would explain it, wouldn't it? Uh, unfortunately, not by a long shot. Uh, so once again, a lot of news to try to catch up with today from over the last few days before I get to, uh, well, some stuff that I really want to talk about. And maybe as time allows your calls today at 818-985-5735 on any of these news items or whatever it is that you may want to talk about. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, we will see. we got uh, quite a bit to get to first. Let's start with the least important news, and then we will work our way up through uh, today. Uh, of course, the least least important news, or maybe that's the most least important news, uh, though arguably the most fun, was Super Bowl on Sunday, which, uh, while I'm not much of a football fan, was a really, really good game. And that I do hope most of you were able to take a few hours away from uh, our ongoing political miseries to be able to enjoy. I know I did. Uh, in case you missed it, the Kansas City Chiefs from my old home state of Missouri defeated the Philadelphia Eagles, who I believe actually played 
played a slightly better game. Though it was close, both teams were superb, uh, particularly on offense, I thought, with a, uh, a field goal in the final seconds, putting the problematically named Chiefs over the Eagles by three points, 38 to 35. Yes, it was a fun, fun game to watch. Even you enjoyed it, Desi Doyle. <laughs> yes, I did. No, as, as little of a football fan as I am, you're even less so, I suspect. This is true. Uh, anyway, uh, moderately more important than that, though in truth, as far as I can tell, not all that much important. Uh, three more objects, not necessarily being described as balloons, and not at all clear from whence they came, were shot down over North America, uh, North American skies uh, over the weekend by the U.S. military, while the Sturm and Drang over the shootdown of a huge. Chinese spy balloon was sort of wildly overwrought for the past week or two, uh, as noted on this program. The fact that three more objects now, which may or may not be related in some way, certainly deserves, I guess, at least a quick note for the moment, since we seem to you know, keep scrambling our military to shoot them down in case you missed it or if you had trouble keeping up with uh, you know, what was what was what and how many objects were actually identified and shot down over the past uh, three days or so. So there were three in total over this past weekend, pushing the total number of shoot downs over North America in some fashion to a total of four. The weekend's newly targeted objects include one on Friday when a still unidentified object was shot down over ice-covered waters off of Alaska. According to the National Security Council's Jack Kirby, it was uh, said to be, quote, about the size of a small car, did not appear to be self-maneuvering, not similar in size or shape to the Chinese balloon that was shot down off South Carolina on February 4. It was flying at about 40,000 feet. Uh, the uh, object, the larger object that was shot down on February 4 was said to have been at about 60,000 feet in altitude. Uh, and, quote, it was most this new one on Friday was most likely not a balloon. Of course, if it wasn't a balloon, what the hell was it at 40,000 feet? I uh, believe we still do not know, or at least officials haven't told us, whether we can rule out that it was an extraterrestrial, as suggested by one of the reporters uh, as, that you heard at the top of the program there. Too much laughter. Well, with too much laughter, but uh, the uh, Kirby said, no, no, absolutely, it's not... Uh, John Kirby, I should say, uh, said, absolutely, I don't think we have to worry about aliens. That said, the uh, Joe Biden actually ordered the Defense Department to do an entire review of reports of unidentified flying objects well, sure. over the past year or two. Yes, they so. should go ahead and investigate all well, those things. I mean, and that's an unidentified flying object is literally unidentified. Correct, as are these. So then on Saturday, February 11 above Canada, an unidentified flying object was shot down over central Yukon, about 100 miles from the Alaskan border by the U.S. Uh, above Canada with the cooperation and the urging of Canadian officials who described it as, quote, a small cylindrical object appeared to be a small metallic balloon with a tethered payload flying at 40,000 feet. 
likely it was a balloon of some kind, unquote. That was the second object over this past weekend. The third one was on Sunday, February 12, above Michigan, an unidentified, yes, flying object was shot down by the U.S. over Lake Huron uh, and described as, quote, an octagonal structure with strings hanging off. Octagonal. Okay. It was said to have had no discernible payload. It was flying at 20,000 feet, which is really getting down into commercial aviation territory and presenting a potential danger to uh, commercial air travel. And, uh, quote, it was unlikely to be a balloon. Okie dokie. If not a balloon, what the hell was it? It could be a drone. Okay. There uh, remains much more that we do not know about all of this, more that we don't know than we do know, uh, or at least uh, that we're being told by the U.S. military, which claims to have heightened its vigilance since the initial balloon incursion increased the sensitivity of their radar equipment in order to be able to spot smaller objects and identify them. Uh, So they may be seeing more blips on the radar than they used to or that they used to notice. In other words, these could, in fact, be some sort of, yeah, weather balloons or some such, as the Chinese originally had claimed about the original one that was shot down and said to have been a huge object the size of three buses containing sophisticated intelligence gathering equipment. Uh, In other words, they could be uh, something entirely non-nefarious and not even necessarily from China or any other adversarial nation. Uh, Or these incursions could represent a new initiative by China or others or not. Again, more questions than answers at this point. In other words, we don't know very much, at least not publicly. And it may or may not be anything to worry about. For the moment, I'm not going to I'm going to go with not worry personally. Uh, as my spidey sense tells me, uh, for what it's worth. And I'll note that if this is being done by China or anyone else, it is almost certainly being done by the U.S. as well, in various ways, over other countries. Because that's what nations do, particularly those with huge defense budgets like the U.S. So uh, do you have any thoughts about what these objects are, what the hell is going on? Uh, And if I should or shouldn't be concerned about all of this? If so, I do welcome your thoughts and your insights, 818-985-KPFK, because at this point, your guess is as good or perhaps better than mine. The Biden administration, according to a White House announcement on Monday, is now said to be forming an interagency group with the goal of addressing The uh, recent spate of objects in the skies, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said uh, on Monday at the White House in a press briefing, quote, the president, through his national security advisor, has today directed an interagency team to study the broader policy implications for detection, analysis and disposition of unidentified aerial objects. Didn't call them flying objects, so UAOs, uh, that pose either safety or security risks. Every element of the government will redouble their effort to understand and mitigate these events, Kirby added. In light of the Chinese balloon program and this recent incursion into our airspace, the United States and Canada, through NORAD, have been more closely scrutinizing that airspace, including enhancing our radar capabilities, which, as the commander of 
NORTHCOM and NORAD, General Van Herc said just last night, may at least partially explain the increase in the objects that have been detected. We also know that a range of entities, including countries, companies, research and academic organizations, operate objects at these altitudes for purposes that are not nefarious at all, including scientific research. That said, because we have not yet been able to defin definitively assess what these most recent objects are, we acted out of an abundance of caution to protect the security, our security, our interest, and flight safety. Uh, again, uh, that was uh, John Kirby at the White House on Monday. I welcome your thoughts on all of this, as noted, 818-985-5735. We are in the middle of uh, Fun Drive here once again at KPFK, so you'll need to hit option number one to join me on the air, option number two if you'd like to donate. Thanks in advance. Uh, in almost certainly more important news today, uh, also requiring a bit of catch-up from a, a flurry of news activity over the weekend that was difficult to keep up with, along with all of the other incoming stuff at the same time. Uh, on Friday, an FBI search of Mike Pence's Indiana home was carried out with the consent of the former vice president. So there was no need, as in the original FBI Trump search at Mar-a-Lago, to obtain a criminal search warrant from a federal judge showing probable cause that crimes were actively underway, as was the case with Trump. Crimes that could not otherwise be stopped short of an unannounced search of the uh, of the property in Pence's case at his home in Indiana late last week, much like the several cases of consensual searches by the FBI at various Joe Biden properties in recent weeks. It was all done with the non-adversarial cooperation between both the searchers and the searchees if that's a word, uh, in this latest search on Friday at Pence's Indiana home, one additional classified document was found. That would uh, have been the biggest story that day, but then we subsequently learned that uh, two Trump lawyers appeared before the D.C. special counsel grand jury last month in relation to the probe of Donald Trump's stolen documents that were discovered at Mar-a-Lago. We have learned that Trump lawyer Evan Cor uh, Corcoran appeared before the D.C. grand jury in January, but that only became public Friday. Also, that Trump's lawyer, Christina Bob also appeared before the grand jury in January. In both cases, both attorneys were involved in the initial legal declaration, you may recall, that was signed by Christina Bob, who actually used to be, and until recently, she was a, I don't know what to call her, an anchor, a news reporter, in quotes, on uh, One America News, that far right network. Uh, but she was, um, she and Corcoran were involved in that legal declaration back in May or June of last year that uh, said that Trump and his attorneys had all done a diligent search of the grounds at Mar-a-Lago and the storage spaces there, and they were able to declare to government officials that all classified records had been found, identified, and returned to the Department of Justice. That turned out to be a lie. We would learn in August that uh, that was, frankly, anything but the case. The FBI executed their search warrant to discover hundreds of classified documents, including thousands 
of classified pages at the disgraced former president's Florida resort. And now it seems the attorneys Corcoran and Bob were called before the grand jury last month to explain their apparently false claims. And that would have been the biggest news of the day, but that was hardly all that we learned in the subsequent wave of news on Friday and into the weekend, where we also learned that Donald Trump himself was subpoenaed again. As TPM's David Kurtz notes this morning, the uh, key news here is a subpoena of Donald Trump last month that was not previously known but was revealed over the weekend by The Guardian. The subpoena apparently was issued to retrieve an empty manila folder marked classified evening briefing that Trump's own investigators had previously found and included in their report that was turned over to the Justice Department. But wait, there's more. Classif- much more, in fact. Classified documents. And here's, the I, I think, the biggest news from the weekend, if you're able to discern between all of the other news. Uh, classified documents were also found on the computer of a staffer working for a Trump Political Action Committee. That, with all of the other noise, all of the other sturm and drong, I think, is the biggest news probably over the weekend. Classified documents on the computer of a staffer working for a Trump PAC. And... Also, around the same time, um, turned over the that they turned over the empty folder uh, that they reportedly had to subpoena to get him to turn over. His team also turned over new materials, including a laptop and a thumb drive. So that laptop computer was uh, of the uh, Trump Political Action Committee staffer, a laptop and a thumb drive. Presumably from the same Trump PAC staffer uh, that contained classified info. So let me be clear here, because with all of the other information, it's really easy to sort of lose track of the significance of this report that came in pretty late on Friday. As CNN initially reported it, uh, including the huge news, the classified documents had been digitized and copied in some fashion to both a laptop computer and a thumb drive. Uh, this this all suggests, uh, they, the CNN notes, that the uh, protracted effort by the Justice Department to repossess records from Trump's presidency may not be done, not by a long shot. You and, think? And if, and if uh, documents were scanned or copied into computers or thumb drives, this, that may open an entirely new can of worms uh, that, you know— we didn't even know about before because who knows where those documents were sent, who knows where they were used, even how many of the uh, original versions of the documents were scanned, uh, even if you know the original versions were retrieved by law enforcement, if they scanned these documents I- – I mean, it's a whole new ball game. As the Trump version of the uh, story currently goes, uh, the attor- his attorneys discovered pages with classified markings in December while searching through boxes at the former president's Mar-a-Lago residence. Now, why weren't those boxes discovered originally during the search last August? We don't know. The lawyers subsequently handed the materials over to the Justice Department. 
according to the Trumpers. A Trump aide, uh, they claim, had previously copied those same pages onto a thumb drive and to a laptop, not realizing they were classified, according to CNN's sources. Um, You know, those sources are almost certainly from Team Trump as opposed to from the FBI or the Department of Justice. So whatever we're hearing now, I would I would suggest is perhaps the best possible explanation for what happened. The laptop, which belonged to an aide who works for the Save America PAC uh, and the thumb drive, that was all given to investigators in January. And yet we're only learning about it. Well, just days ago, late on Friday, when folks may have otherwise been distracted by the FBI search of Mike Pence's Indiana home. Right. So in a way, piggybacking on the announcement that was made by the Team Pence Mm -hmm. folks to say, yes, there was a search. Yes, they found stuff. Piggybacking on that. On that to sort of hide it, you know, drafting behind it as it's uh, as this new announcement by the Trump people or the new leaks about the laptop and the thumb drive that had classified documents. Drafting not only behind that, but all of the balloons being shot down out of the sky, which the media has put to the top of the news as if it's the most important thing. Never mind that guy copying classified documents. To his laptop and a thumb drive. Special counsel Jack Smith's investigation, which is pursuing possible criminal charges related to Trump's handling of national security records and his obstruction of justice uh, in, for example, lying about his possession of those documents and or refusing to return them for well over a year. Uh, He had obtained uh, he had subpoenaed Trump. Uh, Last May, not he, uh, the Justice Department had subpoenaed Trump last May for all classified records in his possession. And yet we are still finding them months and months later. According to The Guardian, the so-called junior Trump aide who was uh, was employed by Trump's Save America PAC was apparently instructed to upload the documents found in this box at Mar-a-Lago. In other words, scan them, digitize them. Uh, and they were at, this uh, aide at the Trump pack was asked by Trump's other aide, Molly Michael, a very close aide of his, to create a repository of what Trump was doing while in office and was apparently careless in scanning them onto her work laptop. Who could tell? Who knew there was classified documents? She didn't notice. Whatever. You know, classified. What are you going to do? Now, uh, according to this version of the story, which does not explain uh, why these documents were scanned, uh, as our friend Marcy Wheeler, national security blogger at Empty Wheel, uh, she noticed from ABC's news coverage of this story that after the information was recovered, federal agents retrieved that laptop from the aid, but the laptop was not retrieved at Mar-a-Lago. It was not on the grounds. They had to go track down that staffer and get the uh, computer laptop and maybe the thumb drive as well that was not found at Mar-a-Lago, but actually at a different location. So Trump's stolen documents, which include both highly classified documents and non-classified documents that were presidential records, so still unlawful for him to possess after leaving the White House, they were digitized, placed onto a laptop computer and thumb drives. And they escaped the confines of Mar-a-Lago, where right-wingers had previously been 
defending Trump by saying, well, the Secret Service was protecting Mar-a-Lago. Therefore, the Secret Service was protecting the documents, unlike the ones found in Joe Biden's garage at his home in Delaware. Here, for example, was Crazy Maria Bartiroma, uh, her show on Fox News a week or so ago. On the day that news had broken that there was another one of those consensual FBI searches at um, of, of Joe Biden's documents. Of course, Bartiromo and her Fox News contributor pal Joe Concha said that Joe Biden said what, what Joe Biden did was actually far, far worse than anything Donald Trump did in this case. When you actually zero in on what Trump did and what Biden did, it seems Biden's malfeasance here with these documents is much worse. Joe? Donald Trump at least had the documents at a location where the Secret Service was guarding that right. location. Secret Service was right? guarding it. And in Joe Biden's case, a Corvette was guarding. That's, there was Mar-a-Lago and then there's Car-a-Lago. And I'll take Mar-a-Lago in terms of which was more secure. Yeah, I guess you will, Joe Concha. You'll take Mar-a-Lago as being more secure than Car-a-Lago, despite the fact that at Mar-a-Lago, apparently they were copying classified documents onto thumb drives and computers and sending those computers out Lord only knows where. I don't know that the Secret Service was you know, able to secure those classified documents from being digitized, copied. Who knows if they were emailed? Who knows if they were sent across the Internet? Who knows if they were posted on the Internet? Who knows if they were sold to foreign governments? Nobody knows. Fox News, on the other hand, doesn't even actually care. Again, you know, just in case you didn't notice, the Trump cases of uh, stolen documents, hundreds and hundreds of them, comprising thousands and thousands of pages, was nothing like the few documents that were discovered by aides uh, to either Joe Biden or Mike Pence and promptly returned as soon as they were found. And then uh, a few more were found when both men invited the DOJ to search their properties for anything additional that was found, something that Donald Trump still has refused to do to this day for some odd reason. So we hope to speak with our friend Marcy Wheeler about this uh, a, a little bit later on uh, this later later this week on the broadcast. But if you'd like to ring in on any of this, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. And frankly, uh, none of this is uh, I don't know if it's the biggest news that we have uh, for you today, but we're going to have to take a break here and I'll try to come back with that and your calls. Given these uh, new revelations of the new Donald Trump, well, they're not his documents, but the classified information found on laptop. And don't forget, by the way, remember when uh, Donald Trump ran for president in 2016, that whole lock her up, lock her up thing, that chant about Hillary Clinton? That was about some emails that she had received that someone had sent to her that were classified. A few that were sent to her that apparently she never shared inappropriately at all. And look what's going on down at Donald Trump's castle in South Florida. Seems to be some inconsistency in the way people are approaching those two different cases. I'd I don't know. Call me crazy, but I right. see a difference. You're crazy. 818-985-5735. Are you convinced at this point that Donald Trump should be in indicted? Do you think he will be indicted? 
I do. Are you one of the folks who, who believed that, you know, after a few classified documents were found at properties of Joe Biden or Mike Pence, that somehow that meant Donald Trump would be off the hook? He would not be indicted? Hey, look, they all did the same thing. Well, just to be clear, in fact, no, they did not. But if you were someone who thought that previously, has any of this changed your mind? 818-985-KPFK. Hit option number one to come on the air and, and talk to me. I'd love to hear from you. Um, let's take this break and we'll come back with uh, more on the other side with some uh, new fresh news from today about more trouble for Donald Trump. Very sad. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. You're listening to the American Democracy Minute, keeping your government by and for the people. A coalition of over 50 democracy groups, academics, former government officials, and technical experts released recommendations for 2023 and 2024 election preparation in a February 9th report. In a succinct, powerful, and excellent report, the National Task Force on Election Crises laid out the damage to democracy sustained during the 2020 election and its aftermath, an analysis of the 2022 midterm election, and dozens of recommendations for shoring up our American democracy's foundation. Recommendations include sustaining proven election options such as early and mail-in voting, proper funding of election personnel, security, and equipment, protection of voters and election officials from violence and intimidation, continued hardening from cyber attacks, and better coordination between community leaders and law enforcement to ensure the right to vote for all voters. To build election confidence, the report recommends diverse, well-trained poll workers, speeding up results when possible, including the pre-processing of mail ballots, and using paper ballots so voters can review them prior to tabulation. The report also asks for social media platforms and candidates to be held accountable for spreading election disinformation and for campaign attorneys pushing frivolous lawsuits. There are many other recommendations we weren't able to cover, so we've posted the full report and a link to the task force's website at AmericanDemocracyMinute.org. For the American Democracy Minute, I'm Brian Beale.
Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com taking your calls at 818-985-KPFK on anything and everything that we've been talking about for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. Uh, I will get to the uh, the news out of Georgia regarding Donald Trump very momentarily, but let me get to a call or two. Let's go to a Mike in L.A. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Just a couple of things I wonder if anyone else noticed about the Super Bowl. One is that once it was over, even though the Philadelphia team seemed to be in pretty good control well into the second half, Mm -hmm. they didn't claim that Mahomes was actually playing for them and they won the thing and walked off with the Lombardi trophy. So I think that's a interesting point of comparison between politics and sports. You mean they didn't claim that uh, they, they didn't accept the uh, their loss at the end of the game? They actually ex- uh, accepted it, is what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I, it could yeah. be a, a very valuable uh, example to some yeah. of the less mature uh, politicians <laughs> out there. I won't mention any names. The other thing is that... Especially since the game was in Arizona, and you know it's all the rage in Arizona to claim that you didn't lose even when you did uh, in Arizona. Yeah. You go ahead, Mike. (laughs) And the other fact that I thought uh, was significant was that though the stadium was named for an insurance company, one thing both teams agreed on was that the entire playing field was a slip and fall fest. (laughs) I wonder if they shouldn't be demanding some of their money back for the naming rights and just be distributing it among their customers. Yeah, and not to mention uh, the money from whoever built that turf in the first place that was apparently new and terrible. Thanks for the call, Mike. Good to hear from you, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Val in uh, Wrightwood. Hey, Val, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, how are you guys doing down here? Hanging in. How can I help you? Well, I'm uh, as a former staff sergeant in the United States Marine Corps, I had a secret clearance as a radio operator, mm-hmm. and there is no excuse for mishandling classified information. You mishandle classified information, you get your clearance pulled, and you ain't going to pull no hold no office anymore. And yet, and yet, Donald Trump, who uh, mishandled apparently thousands and thousands of pages of classified documents is is running for president. How, how do you feel about that, Val? There's no excuse. Either for Trump or Biden or, or anybody. I'd, I'd go in with a Marine detachment and take them all down. <laughs> well, and uh, do you uh, see any difference in the way that uh, in, in the case of Donald Trump and the documents that he stole and refused to give back versus the documents that appear to have been mishandled. We don't know as much about them. Uh, appear to have been mishandled by Joe Biden and Mike Pence that as soon as they discovered, reportedly, they returned. Do you see a difference in those cases, Val? Uh, I think I think they're all all bad. Uh, there, should be a, there should be a chain of custody concerning classified documents. And, and uh, it goes all the way back to Whoever passes them out, archives or whatever that is, mm-hmm. they're, they're supposed to be control as to where they are, where they went, and who had them. Uh, uh, it's a chain of custody, and uh, it's a violation on, on both parts, on both sides of the house. It is. But when you say that, oh, they all did, uh, they're all the same, they should all be treated the same, isn't that uh, giving one of the people who is who obviously had criminal intent, isn't that sort of uh, letting him off the hook, Val? 
no, I wouldn't let any of them off the hook. <laughs> no, I understand that. But when you say that uh, stealing hundreds of documents and refusing to return them to the Department of Justice, even after a subpoena and even after uh, giving a written legal declaration that we have turned over everything that uh, we had here, and it, that turned out to be a lie, that's obstruction of justice along with other felony crimes. Shouldn't that be treated somewhat differently than uh, Mike, former Vice President Mike Pence and, uh, and now President Joe Biden, who whose aides actually found a few documents, notified the government immediately, called and returned them and invited the DOJ in if they wanted to search their properties. Isn't there a difference uh, between that, Val, and what Donald Trump did? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot worse. I I caught, as a, when I was a sergeant of the guard, I caught somebody in the classified material locker that wasn't on the access list, mm-hmm. and we got that straightened out real quick. But yeah, you're right. Good, because, I mean, I, you know, obviously there is some sort of problem with the tracking of classified documents for presidents and vice presidents, as we've learned with uh, both Pence and Biden. But to lump them all together, as some in the media are doing, I think, gives a pass to the really bad guys. So a lot of times when I hear, you know, oh, both sides do this or that, sure, both sides, uh, whether they're Republican, Democratic, whatever, uh, you know, do bad things. But when you smooth them all over, when you even the playing field... uh, with, by saying, oh, both sides do it, that, in, you know, ends up doing a favor for the bad guys, as I see it, because you're leveling a playing field that is not a level playing field. And so I just want to be careful we don't do that in the case with, with Trump and those documents. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I, I'm a Vietnam era vet, but uh, I guess there was a saying during World War II, loose lips sink ship. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so far, no one has accused any of them of, uh, you know, talking about those documents or selling those documents. But we still have uh, dozens of empty folders, classified folders uh, at, from Donald Trump's place that we don't know where the actual documents were. That should be troubling. Thanks for the call, Val. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you also. Thank you also for your uh, for your service. 818-985-KPFK. I had a thought about yes. this. Uh, so, thought? you know, one of the questions I think that we have been confronting with these classified, the surge of classified documents being found in former president and vice president's homes is that the, uh, the, the Beltway Press is having to confront the idea of whether they can distinguish whether these docs are stolen or whether they're just misplaced. Right. And I think that they're doing a pretty good job overall as far as noting that Pence and Biden have both been cooperating, and so those would be likely considered under the category of misplaced documents. Mishandled. Mishandled yeah. documents, you yeah. know, and there's a whole other area of concern about, okay, so maybe there's some reforms that can go into place to handle this mishandling of documents, but not about stolen documents, which is, I think, where we are with Trump, with these being intentionally stolen, where he has said, I took them, and yes, I wanted to take them because I like keepsakes. Also, I should add... Uh You know, only one of these three of uh, Trump and Biden and Pence, only one of them appears to our knowledge to have obstructed 
the search, to have obstructed justice, to have lied to federal uh, investigators. And defied a subpoena, requiring the DOJ to go seek a yep. subpoena in order to get these documents back. I mean, mm-hmm. that that is obstruction of justice. Pretty much, you know, that's literally hiding documents. Yeah. And uh, to also to our knowledge, Trump is the only one who has uh, suspected outstanding documents, as Marcy Wheeler described it. Biden and Pence, they might, but none is known at this time. And only Donald Trump at this point now, after this weekend, uh, only Donald Trump has devices with potential classified information on them. In fact, two devices, that computer uh, and uh, that thumb drive. And she also notes that the percentage of homes and offices searched by the FBI, in Pence's case, 100 percent of his homes and offices searched by the FBI. In Biden's case, 100 percent of his home uh, homes and offices searched by the FBI. In Donald Trump's case, less than 20 percent of his homes and uh, and offices. Let's go to Catherine in Long Beach. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the Brad. Did I do that right? Uh, trying to get to Catherine. There we go. Let me try that again. OK, there we go. Catherine in Long Beach. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the Bradcast. Well, thank you. Thank you. What's I up? I just wonder, did, did you happen to notice that Trump did cooperate with everyone initially? Who and when did he cooperate with anyone? Before anyone came on the scene to run into his house from the FBI. Uh, No, I don't know where you're getting that information, Catherine. He sat through all of his surrogates, if you want to call them that, that they could come down and find out what was in his Mar-a-Lago estate. At any point in time, it would have been nice to have had an appointment. Uh, That is completely untrue. In fact, the uh, National Archives and Records uh, uh, Agency had been trying for months and months, asked, pretty please send back the documents, any documents that you may have, whether they're classified or presidential records that aren't classified from your administration. It took them, uh, I believe it was eight or nine months. Finally, the Department of Justice subpoenaed Donald Trump for those documents. He still did not uh, return them, then um, uh, folks from DOJ actually did show up at Mar-a-Lago and they said, "Okay, here you go. Here's about 30 documents. We're giving them all back. They signed a document that said this is everything. And then as we later learned out, it was not even close to everything. He had still hundreds of uh, thousands of documents. More than 100 of them still were classified. So I don't know where you're getting that information, Catherine, but it is well, my, incorrect. My information is not direct from anybody at all. It's just what I have thought about with regard to handlers. It used to be said that the president lived in a bubble. That was said many times. And it may have been his handlers that made the mistake. Yeah, well, he's accountable. He's a grown man, Catherine. And it took a year and a half to even get the documents we have uh, uh, obtained at this point. And Did if you ever think yeah. at any one point that he was the president? He was he was the president. Yes. And he, he, do believe he was. In other words, being impeached constantly during your whole term does not mean that you are guilty of a crime. 
Uh, we weren't talking about impeachment, Catherine. We were talking All about right. the documents. Stop talking, but, and I'm sorry if you don't agree with me. I agree to disagree with you. Thank you. Okay, bye, Catherine. I have no idea what she even thinks I was disagreeing with. Yes, Donald Trump was the president. In fact, as she noted, he was the twice impeached president, not all throughout his term, once throughout his term, and a second time after he had left office. Yeah, he was Good twice Lord. impeached, but not removed. I mean, yeah. that was the difference. But uh, he was also, by the way, found guilty of inciting uh, uh, the uh, insurrection at the U.S. Capitol by a bipartisan vote of the U.S. Senate after his impeachment trial. Uh, he was found guilty 57 to 43 by a bipartisan vote, including seven Republicans. It was not enough to uh, convict him uh, in his impeachment trial, which the Constitution requires two thirds uh, 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 two-thirds of the Senate to vote guilty, but uh, it was still a majority. Uh, a Georgia state judge on Monday ordered the partial release later this week of a report by a special grand jury that investigated efforts by the disgraced former twice-impeached president, Donald Trump, and his allies to try to overturn his 2020 election loss. As Kate Brumbach at AP describes Trump's attempt to muscle state officials into helping him, yes, steal the Peach State's presidential election. The special grand jury reports introduction and conclusion, as well as a section in which the grand jurors express concerns that some witnesses may have lied to them under oath. That will all be released on Thursday, according to Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney on Monday. The uh, section uh, concerning the witnesses who may have lied under oath will be released because, according to the judge, it, it uh, does not include anyone's names specifically. Any recommendations on who should or should not be prosecuted in this report will remain a secret, however, for now, to protect their due process rights, uh, according to Judge uh, McBurney. That, as Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis had hoped none of the report would be released yet in hopes of not placing anyone who may be indicted at some uh, future point at some sort of a disadvantage. In this case, the judge agreed to withhold material that might expose those who may be indicted, though with the introduction and conclusion to be released now from this report on Thursday, I suspect there will be a lot of tea leaf reading from uh, from those uh, two sections alone, uh, as far as what the special grand jury believes and who they have recommended to Fonnie Willis uh, for indictment. Mc Judge McBurney's order came three weeks after hearing oral arguments from um, uh, from prosecutors who urged the entire report be kept secret until they decide on charges and a coalition of media organizations which pressed the judge to release this report in full immediately. Special grand jury spent about seven months hearing testimony from some 70 witnesses, including high profile Trump allies like Rudy Giuliani, Senator Lindsey Graham, high-ranking Georgia officials like uh, the governor, Brian Kemp, the secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger. Judge, uh, Judge McBurney's order is a bit of a compromise, after all, as he wrote, quote, having re uh, reviewed the final report, the undersigned concludes that the special purpose grand jury did not exceed the scope of its prescribed mission.
Indeed, it provided the district attorney with exactly what she requested, a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what in relation to the conduct and aftermath of the 2020 general election in Georgia. The special grand jury did not have the power to uh, issue indictments. It will They could only make recommendations in this report. It will ultimately be up to Willis to decide whether to seek indictments from a regular grand jury. During the court hearing three weeks ago on whether to release this document or not, uh, Willis had said to the judge in her argument that indictment decisions were imminent. We think for future defendants to be treated fairly, it's not appropriate at this time to have this report released. I, as the elected district attorney, have made several commitments to the public understanding the public interest around this case. At this time, in the interest of justice and the rights of not the state but others, we are asking that the report not be released because you haven't seen that report, decisions are imminent. So uh, this has to do, of course, with uh, Trump and friends' efforts to steal the election, specifically in Georgia after uh, after 2020. That uh, infamous phone call where he asked the uh, secretary of state, Republican Brad Raffensperger, to find him some 11,780 votes, which is, quote, one more than we have. Uh, she's looking at a bunch of other stuff as well, where indictment decisions are imminent. And now so is at least part of the special grand jury's report uh, coming on Thursday. Let's get to more of your calls. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to uh, Steve in L.A. Hey, Steve, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm um, good. I just wanted to say I definitely feel for you guys like some of these calling callers coming in and it's just I don't know how you deal with it all day. It's just <laughs> it, it, it's insane. I mean, it, we live in two completely different universes of information. And, you know, what you were talking about before, as far as I'm concerned, this guy has to go to jail. I mean, if, if you are allowed to attack your own country, I mean, I guess they don't call it treason because I think treason is defined as you know, doing something against your country during war, so it's sedition. But, I mean, it's it's so clear. The January 6th committee made it so clear what this guy did. Mm -hmm. But if he doesn't go to jail, then there's no law. I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, I know. As uh, Donald Trump used to say, oh, if we don't do this or that, we don't have a country anymore. Well, I would suggest, uh, you know, if there isn't accountability for all of these crimes, much less, you know, stealing thousands of classified documents and trying to steal a presidential election, then, yeah, we have no country anymore. Uh, hey, thanks, Steve. Yeah. It's funny because, I mean, you're, we're only talking about that one thing. We're not talking about the four years of debauchery and the the destruction that he did in the carnage to this country and the division. I still don't speak. I, I don't speak to my family because mm, of this. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is insane is how, what you were talking about before, when you were reading the, the, the news piece about how many Republicans are the ones, I mean, the January 6th committee was all Republicans. I mean, it's Republicans damning Republicans. And these folks that are calling in, they don't hear that. They never hear that. It's, 
it's no, well, they, they didn't even hear, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these folks didn't even hear about the January 6th committee because places like Fox News failed to show it at all. Now, to be clear, Steve, when you said most of the January 6th committee was Republicans, in fact, most of the actual committee members were Democrats. There were two Republicans. But you were talking, I sure. believe, about the uh, the witnesses and so forth. And, yeah, exactly. in that case, they were almost all Republicans. Uh, thanks, Steve. We, you know what? We have to keep uh, we have to keep talking. We have to keep uh, sharing information with folks who are confused, who are misinformed, who are disinformed, and that's what we try to do. Is um, if, if we don't fight, yep. that's the problem. Is that if we don't fight, the lies are going to become you know what what people follow. That's correct. I don't, don't want to be involved in politics. I don't want to be involved in this stuff. But I realize I have to. Yes. Because if I don't, if there's nobody pushing back, then you know two plus two is seven. Yeah, that's what it is with them. You're absolutely right, Steve. And that is why I do this job. Not because I want to, but because I feel I, I have to. Thanks, Steve. Okay. I got to get to some other calls here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the call, my friend. Uh, very quick. Oops. Let me get this right. There we go. Uh, very quickly. Let's go to James in Northridge. Hey, James, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, Brad. Hey there, James. Um, you can hear me right, okay? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Well, I was calling because about the classification of documents yeah and i heard a guy on the radio i might even have been kpfk and he wrote a book about the ridiculous over classification of documents and how there's an army of people in washington who do nothing but classify documents just like 1984 true just true classified 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 yep and that seems to be part of the problem in that Nope. At the end of an administration, people are scrambling to get out of there. So mm-hmm. it's impossible to separate every classified document from every unclassified document because there's literally millions of them. Well, I, you know what? Let me say Let me say this. Uh, when it comes to the president, uh, certainly the president, maybe even the vice president, we are talking about very, very, very highly classified documents. That's, you know, nuclear codes and things like that. That said, any document... Uh, whether it was classified or not, is a presidential record, does not belong to the president, belongs to the people of the United States under the Presidential Records Act of 1975. So even if there is a scramble to get out of there and there is some confusion in the uh, best case scenario, OK, uh, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt as long as they give the documents back. Donald Trump fought that for a year and a half. So I want to be clear. We do have a problem with overclassification of documents. That is not the problem in this particular case. The problem in this particular case is stolen documents and violating federal law on purpose for months at a time because you feel uh, you are above the law. That's what's going on here, James. I totally understand. Trump was doing it on purpose. Yep. And, and you know, you can make a strong case that for Biden and even Pence, it was because they took them by accident. I mean, that's not there's no way to prove that. But if the fact is they gave it back right away because yep. they went, oh, is this classified? I had no idea. Yep. Take it back. Right? And, I, and I listen, so that's I, a big difference. yeah, it's a huge difference. And I, I, you know, I hate going on and on about it, but there is just so much bad information, as you have heard from some of our callers, that if we don't talk about it and repeat the good information, then the bad information, the lies, the disinformation takes hold. Thanks, James. I, I got to get out. Uh, thank let, you. Thank you. Really appreciate the call. Um, uh, let me. Yes, Des. I just wanted to add another thing that that quick, also annoys me about this is you yes. know this uh, this 
narrative that the Team Trump has been putting out about how he likes keepsakes and he's just, you know, he's a hoarder and he doesn't really understand all of the importance about these classified he's, documents. He's what? A hoarder. Okay. He's somebody who hoards things. Okay. okay? okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that that's pretty dumb for someone to think that that is an actual good explanation for a president of the United States to be stealing documents. And I think it's also bogus. I don't I think that's just their excuse. I agree. Last call uh, for this hour. Let me get to Mo. I think last call. Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Mo, are you still there? Oh, no. Did I hang up on Mo? Did Desi hang up on Mo? Call back, Mo. I don't know if he'll make it in time. Uh, 818-985-KPFK. Go to, yes, what are, you, what are you trying to tell me, Des? Hang up there. Go to call number two. No idea who it is. Welcome to the broadcast, caller number two. Quick. Hi, this is Susan. Has anybody ever thought or investigated since um, Trump, who I called? Oh, I think we just lost. We lost Susan as well. <laughs> Sorry about that, Susan. My fault. We got to, you know, after 15, 20 years on the air, we're going to someday get better at this. Uh, we do have to get out, though. Uh, so my thanks to everyone who called in, even those of uh, to whom I accidentally hung up. I'm sorry, Susan. I'm sorry, Mo. Uh, my thanks to everyone and including our board operator today, the great Wendell Handy. Thank you, Wendell. Very handy of you. Also, thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you who spent a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Mastodons, I am the Brad Blog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com/donate. I'm Rick Smith and this is Labor History in 2. On this day in labor history, the year was 1937. That was the day Indiana Governor M. Clifford Townsend dispatched state National Guard troops to Anderson, Indiana. The national strike against GM had just ended in victory for the Union two days earlier. UAW forces were emboldened by the militancy, solidarity, and public support for the Union in Flint. But Anderson was a company town. It was home to GM's Guide Lamp and Delco Remy divisions. GM employed 11,000 of the town's 40,000 residents. Guide lamp workers struck in late December, and the Delco Remy plants closed to prevent sit-downs. 
Foreman visited workers in their homes demanding signatures for back-to-work petitions. The Citizens League for Industrial Security whipped almost half the town into an anti-union frenzy. The entire month of January was so marred by anti-union violence and intimidation, the strike had to be abandoned. When the national strike ended, the UAW organized a victory meeting. It was held virtually under siege by an anti-union mob. Victor Ruther recalled that he aged 10 years that night. Anti-union violence broke out the next evening at the Gold Band Tavern. The bar owners shot and wounded at least 10 UAW members. Union backup headed to Anderson. Fearing UAW forces, the Indiana National Guard was deployed and Madison County was placed under martial law for 10 days. In his classic history of the Flint sit-down strike, Sidney Fine explains that anti-union sentiment began to break down once workers learned GM had been forced to eliminate incentive pay. The union newspaper proclaimed, quote, the men and women who fought on the picket line, who withstood the terror of the vigilantes, who kept the faith under trying conditions, these people changed the conditions in the shops.